so why not help and try to make it something that is good for for all people that love jeeps yeah i guess you got the slippery slope effect though right you start here then where do you end up but you know the other part of that is you know those i don't know the exact price of that mahindra but if you look at most of the utvs out there you're really getting close to the cost of a dare i say like a sport or something like oh that they're God. not what was know. that that what was that one we talked about recently eighty thousand dollars uh for a uh, a side-by-side audio jeeper i'm tony and welcome to the jeep talk show where we put the fun in off-road fun i'm not going to do it this uh, this episode larry <clears throat> this is the only show where you hear Jeep owners talking. I was doing the, I was actually uh, publishing the uh, Thursday episode from last week's recording, and I just thought it really, it sounded bad whenever it starts with me just saying <laughs> "f you." <laughs> it's like this is this is not going to be a good thing to encourage people to listen to this episode. So I'm not going to do it this time. <laughs> this is the only show where you can hear uh, about uh, Jeep owners talking about things like mud rocks and giant tires and not getting weird looks. So strap in, grab your favorite beverage, and or as Josh always said, uh, adult beverage, and get ready to laugh, learn, and have a damn good time. We guarantee that after listening to us, you'll have that sudden urge to go buy a Jeep and hit the trails. Don't say we didn't warn you. On tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about Jeep Loses' latest Mahindra uh, Roxor suit. I don't know why, Larry, but I'm happy about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say that fast a couple times. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's great that uh, somebody that has a licensed, uh, has the license to build like uh, the, the, the CJ model. I think it's right. Uh, that they, and they've had that, 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 uh, the right to do that since 1940 something. Uh, I, I, I like the idea that, uh, the, the big organization, even though I absolutely love Jeep, uh, I, I, I don't see the rocks or damaging their business. I mean, if, no. if uh, Jeep ever got into making golf carts, then yeah, probably, it probably would <laughs> hurt their business. But the, the rocks or it's a really cool little vehicle. It's, it's very Jeepy. And, uh, I just think it's, uh, it, you know, if you wanted to have something to drive around on your farm or your ranch or something, I think this, this would be great. Although I think it'd probably be cheaper just to go find a CJ seven or a YJ. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but I'm, I'm glad to hear this and we'll have more about that coming up. And, uh, what's up, Larry? Uh, what is the name of your segment, Larry? I, I never can remember when I'm doing this, uh, but putting the show notes together. It could be what's up, Larry fabrication with Larry fabrication. There we go. Uh, Larry's Fabrications. That sounds good. <laughs> you could be a political uh, proponent. Uh, Here we go. And, uh, and what's up, Larry? Uh, what is your trail welding? What's in your trail welding go bag? See, I screwed it up, but I just went ahead with it. Uh, but uh, also in your must-have uh, for your Jeep, wall mount removable door storage hangers. Larry, this thing comes with screws. Would you just screw these things into the uh, sheetrock and hang your uh, 50 pound doors. <laughs> do, well, you, do you figure there's must be something in there besides the set of screws to, to keep the, the mounts on the wall? <laughs> well, they'll stay there for a little while. <laughs> and then right when you don't expect it, probably when you're not there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, great show coming up. Uh, stay tuned. Are you ready? It's time for the Jeep talk show with hosts, Tony, Josh, Wendy, and Chuck. Hi, I'm Larry, and when was the last time you broke on the trail? Oh, thankfully, never. 
Let's see. The last time I the last time I broke on the trail, uh, it wasn't a, a broke. It was a didn't have the atlas fully engaged. But I thought I was broke. I thought I had broke something big time, and and it wasn't even that big deal. It was a small rock pile I was going through. That moment of panic at first, and you realize, oh, oh. well, <laughs> and and then you get uh, you get pulled out because it, you can't get yourself out of there. And then you get up on level ground, slightly slick, not muddy, slightly slick, and you press the the go pedal, and it goes, ding! <laughs> it was the one tire, the the one wheel that had fr- uh, that had traction, trying to make make me go. And it's like, right. oh, this isn't right. I mean, I had I, I it had a newly installed locker. This is in the XJ. Had a newly installed locker in the rear, an Atlas transfer case. Oh, it was just so great just to be out there to play with these this, these things. And I got the, out there without overheating. It was just a great thing to be a, a, be out. This is at Barnwell. The only time I've been to Barnwell, and it was so great to be out there. And then I, the, the damn thing wouldn't work. But part of that was that was me. I mean, I was trying to. I mean, sit in the garage or driving around on the road. I could uh, do everything, but with the addition of being off-road, I guess it was just too much uh, input uh, for me to be able to function properly. And uh, also, too, I think the the stick uh, on the Atlas was hitting something, uh, so that could have been part of it. It always hurts worse when it's operator error. But you're so relieved. (laughs) That could be fixed very simply and cheaply. All right, so uh, I always like to uh, remind everybody about our newest episode. Well, you know, here at the Jeep Talk Show, we're always trying to do new things, uh, taking risks, and uh, hoping that you guys like it. So far, you have. Uh, and and if you don't if you don't like something, uh, let us know. We'd like we we'd love to hear about it. Uh, just uh, go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You'll find a bunch of different ways that you can uh, reach out to us. And I think one of the things that is the, the probably the most fun uh, for me is the Discord server. It is uh, just wonderful having the ability to to talk directly uh, with you guys, chat if you will, uh, via text messages there on the screen. And uh, oh, I, I don't think I've mentioned this in a long time. If you go to jeeptalkshow.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the uh, the page, you will find a uh, a link, uh, not necessarily a link, but a um, a portal. Uh, I guess I, I could say to the Discord server, so you can literally see what's going on uh, in the in the Discord server, the conversations, the pictures. The there's uh, often there's uh, videos that we put up. Uh, I think somebody a lot put up going a, on. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. It's a lot of fun, and uh, it's it's. Uh, I don't want to say it's all about Jeeps, but it, much of it is. So uh, it, it certainly is. Uh, it's Jeep food, guns. Uh, uh, what else, Larry? Track. Travel, yeah, yeah. There's, oh, uh, there's the, the, the litany of things, stuff. The off-road events that were that uh, you guys are, are uh, setting up and going on. I mean, that's right. That's actually how I got involved in the Eastern Jeep Safari thing. You guys were talking about it. I said, "Screw it, I need to go," and uh, just went. <clears throat> so yeah, we, yeah. We were even talking about an off-road RX-7 today. <laughs> that's right. We were. That was funny. <laughs> Could you imagine being in a situation where you had to go out and uh, survey the the storm damage in an RX-7? <laughs> Well, apparently Bill made it happen. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously it can be done, but uh, it, it, it's nicer if you've got something that, especially if you've spent a lot of time and money building up a Jeep or you take a Jeep out and doing that. But being yeah. in the military, you kind of got to go with uh, what you got, right? Yeah, but like I said, you get a little bit of everything in a Discord room. So you have topic you want to talk about or just uh, go in there and just watch the feed and jump in when you want to. There's plenty there. Mm-hmm. All right, so as uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, Jeep loses latest Mahindra Rocksor suit. 
Uh, so uh, when it was uh, finally uh, revealed in 2018, many of the Jeep CJ7 lovers around the U.S. fell instantly in love with the Mahindra Roxor because it was near exact clone of the old Jeep, uh, except that being sold as a UTV. It wasn't strictly road legal like Jeeps uh, of yore, but the holder of Jeeps intellectual property, its parent company, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, which now is Stellantis, was not amused. (laughs) FCA sued Mahindra over the Rocksaur's design and had won its case against uh, the 2018 and 2019 versions with a redesign, and this is a Rocksaur, was redesigned in 2020. Mahindra was once again sued by FCA over the Rocksaur's design, and that case was just recently decided. Hmm. So, uh, and I think one of the problems was uh, was the grill. I think that was the redesign. Uh, I think there may have been more to it, uh, but uh, it was uh, apparently it was argued it looked too much like a Jeep. And and, and Larry, uh, may I? I think one of the problems was is that they were uh, they they had the intellectual property this this design, and it was. It was theirs to use and make vehicles from this uh, IP. Uh, but I think the, pro- the problem came in is whenever they started to, uh, trying to sell them in America. I think, uh, the, I think it's a, uh, an Indian company. And I think that uh, being sold in India wasn't a problem. But being in sol- sold in uh, FCA's, now Stellantis' uh, backyard, their playground, I think that was the big problem that, uh, that uh, FCA had with it. Yeah, I can't imagine that that Mahindra is even a spec on the sales for Jeep. Well, and the Jeep doesn't. Jeep doesn't have anything like this. I mean, I made the no. the joke that uh, if they were making golf carts, because this thing is tiny. Um, I, I will say we mentioned Greg Henderson already a couple of times, but he's a cool dude. Uh, he has a Mahindra that he's done a lot too. And uh, it's cool looking. It is road legal. And uh, of course, he's the type of individual that, you know, whatever he wants to do, he can just make it happen. Uh, and it's uh, it's road legal. It doesn't have a governor on it. It's a diesel engine. And I think he said it'll do over 70 miles an hour. And I think it's on either 35s or 37s. It didn't look anything like this picture that we have in our show notes for uh, episode 859. And of course, you can see the show notes, uh, the same show notes that we're seeing here, uh, just by going to jeeptalkshow.com. And looking for uh, episode 859. So uh, the big question is, can the Rockstar be sold in America now? Well, the news is good for fans. (laughs) The Rocksor, according to Automotive News, the Eastern District Court of Michigan has ruled uh, that the Mahindra Automotive North America can now sell, produce, and distribute the post-2020 version. So I guess the 2017-2018 the one, or 2018-2019 ones can't be sold here, but the, uh, the, the redesigned 2020 can be. Uh, and, of course, now it is less of a Jeep uh, lookalike uh, or, or even a uh, FJ40-like, uh, as we've noticed, uh, noticed from uh, several images that we've, uh, that we've seen. The original suit in 2018 was an attempt by FCA, now Stellantis, to institute the safe distance rule. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is what I try to practice when I'm going into the bathroom and uh, picking, a, <laughs> picking a stall to uh, stand in front of. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 
so basically a court ordered demand that Mahendis secure a new non-infringed mark that's sufficiently removed from any characteristic of infringed mark. I mean, yeah, I just, I mean, I know the people that you, you have to protect your stuff uh, legally or anybody can, can uh, uh, just say, oh, well, it's public domain or something along those lines. And it, right. so I understand that, but I, I would like to think that there were there was maybe a a partnership that was discussed that maybe they could have uh, licensed something with Jeep and they had, could have partnered on this in some way. Uh, I mean, like I said, Jeep wasn't making a vehicle like this, so why not help and try to make it something that is good for for all people that love Jeeps? Yeah, I guess you got the slippery slope effect, though, right? You start here, then where do you end up? But, you know, the other part of that is, you know, those, I don't know the exact price of that Mahindra, but if you look at most of the UTVs out there, you're really getting close to the cost of a, dare I say, like a sport or something like oh that. They're not, what was that, that? What was that one we talked about recently? $80,000 uh, for a, uh, a side-by-side? Yes. I mean, God bless you if you can get people to pay that kind of money, but I'm not going to be paying that kind of money. No, when I can buy a when I can buy a road road legal go anywhere vehicle for about the same money or the same money, it just doesn't it doesn't seem like I'm spending my money wisely. But you know, it's your money you get to spend it however you want. So uh, for eighty thousand dollars, you could probably get a, a YJ and drop a Hemi in it, right? <laughs> I mean, if you want something that has a good thrust to weight ratio, because that's kind of the thing I've always heard about these side by sides. <laughs> Well, $80,000, you're knocking on the door of a, a 392 Jeep right off the that's showroom. Right. Oh, yeah, that's very, very good. Uh, very good. I mean, I understand. It's it's a thing people want to have. It's a thing that they want to do. It's, it's, it's what they want to be seen in. We discussed this in a, a recent episode. Sometimes it's not so much about uh, what you have is as much as uh, the, the jealousy that others have for you having it. Uh, and asking the question like, well, my God, yeah, that is, that's fancy. That's nice. Uh, wow, it does this, it does that. But $80,000, I don't know how you do it, Jack. Yeah. So anyway, this led, uh, the well, anyway, the, the U.S. International Trade Commission, ITC, also ru- ruled in June of 2020 that uh, while the Mahindra's UTV, uh, <laughs> excuse me, uh, didn't infringe on the trademark, it did violate Jeep's trade dress. Uh, the uh, prohibition and uh, sale of Roxor parts. That's why Mahindra redesigned the Roxor after 2020, but FCA claimed that this new design was still not different enough from the Jeep look. And they sued again. Once again, the ITC was asked to look into the new Roxor in December of 2020. Uh, This time it ruled that this new design no longer infringed on Jeep's trade dress and modified the June 2020 order to lift the import ban of, uh, for the new Roxor. And this is pretty cool. I actually, I don't know what the price of a Roxor is, but I should look it up. I, I, I want to say they're around $36,000 or something. Oh, I would doubt that. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> think it's too low? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Nothing's $36,000 anymore. I would bet you they're... Uh, if you told me they were north of 50, it wouldn't shock me. See, this is the problem I have with it. I like the Roxor. I mean, I liked it better before they had this uh, this weird grill and stuff that they had to do to, to change things up enough so it didn't look like a, uh, didn't look like a, a Jeep. <clears throat> and I wonder if anybody makes a kit where you can convert it back. 
Curious, you know uh, the the one that uh, the one that Greg has has the the original uh, grill on it. Um, so anyway, I'm just kind of delaying here a little bit because I'm actually looking this up. <clears throat> oh, oh! So starting in this, you have to eat your words, Larry. Starting at MR, MSRP base model only is twenty thousand dollars or twenty thousand wow, five okay. six hundred dollars. So happy to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, this might be a a good alternative to a uh, to a golf cart. You know, it kind of looks like a lawnmower. The design on the front kind of looks like the the hood on a riding lawnmower now. Yeah, that would be fun yeah. to have. I think I'd still like to have this have if I had a ranch or something. I think I'd just like to have one of those big four wheelers. I think that would be a lot of fun. This is probably a lot more practical because uh, it has a place where you can put stuff, uh, a, a, a bed, if you will, s- small though. And uh, I guess you could even uh, you could pull the trailer with a four wheeler as well. But uh, I've always wanted a four wheeler. I got on one um, way back in like the uh, uh, the early '90s, and I was just I was like, oh, I'd love to have this thing. I think it was eleven thousand dollars at the time, and uh, there was just no I had no place to, to to take it, and I was certainly wasn't gonna uh, buy something well, like a trailer and something so I could put it on there. But if I had a big ranch, a, a large area uh, to drive around on, oh man, I'd have a, a a holster thing on there for a rifle, uh, probably get a thirty thirty or something for it to go in there and uh, drive around and check my fences and uh, chew away them coyotes. Yeah, you know what surprises me is I'm on Rockstar's website also, mm-hmm. and if you look at the amount of dealers there are in the United States, it, that really shocked me. And, and of course, you know, what you were just saying about being on a ranch, I, I typed in Missouri, and the closest one to me is in Cowtown, USA. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is kind of like what Chuck does with his uh, his older Jeeps. He he kind of does right. the, the thing with uh, the Rocksor, but it, it is actual Jeep. It's, uh, one of the uh, some of the older things, the the, uh, the Scrambler, for example. I wish he'd get that th- that thing put back together. I'm I'm curious about how it's going to perform. But uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, so speaking about uh, being on a ranch, so this isn't actually on a ranch, but uh, this Jeep Wrangler apparently wasn't very happy. Uh, you know, it just dawned on me. It, it, they said Jeep Wrangler. It's not a Wrangler. It's a CJ. Uh, they they messed this story up. So this Jeep isn't happy parked on the pavement and drives itself into trees, multiple yeah. trees. You'll have That's to never good. Yeah, you'll have to find this uh, find this uh, video online, Larry, uh, and you will too, the listener out there. So the original Jeep CJ was a tough act to follow, but the Jeep Wrangler YJ more than held its own. But uh, built from uh, 1986 to 1995, it retained the original Jeep's rugged character, but was more comfortable with modern amenities and a wider track and better off road handling. Good lord, I have never heard of the YJ being. Uh, uh, more comfortable <laughs> over a CJ. <laughs> so now I'm wondering if this is a, I, I thought it was a CJ, but now I'm wondering if it is a CJ or a YJ uh, that actually took off. So anyway, it, it's not that big a deal. It was basically parked in a driveway. The video is fun to watch because you just go, oh, stop, 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 stop. But the, the Jeep was all by itself, no driver, uh, haunted, if you will. And uh, it uh, it took off uh, down the uh, the paved driveway uh Quickly found the uh, the lawn and uh, backed into a tree, and then uh, about the time it backed into that tree, it started going forward into a second larger tree. And about that time, the uh, the owner was uh, almost to it. Uh, he got to watch it. I'm sure hit both trees. 
But uh, And this is the great thing, and this is one of the things I love about Jeeps, and, I, and I'm not saying this is what you get from a factory Jeep, but whenever you modify the Jeep with front and rear bumpers, uh, there was no damage done to the Jeep. It took its little, uh, its little drive, uh, did its version of uh, yard pinball, and uh, was uh, no worse for the wear. That's good. Yeah, so more than likely, he didn't set the parking brake. It's probably right. a standard transmission, yada, yada, yada. So you guys got to remember to uh, uh, set the, the parking brake. And, you know, with the older vehicles, uh, especially if you're having some issues with the parking brake, you might want to even uh, carry some wheel chocks with you uh, just so you can make sure the Jeep is uh, uh, where it should be whenever you come back. Yeah, I always put mine in reverse and set the brake. Mm -hmm. You don't carry wheel chocks with you, do you? Yes. Oh, do you? Okay, good. So so I am saying it right. I mean, there's been a, a few occasions whenever I've had to park on uh, inclines that it, it worries me, even if it's an automatic transmission, because it's just a pin that's uh, under a lot of pressure. I, I don't know. You've probably experienced this, too, where you're on an incline, and you start up the vehicle, and then you go to take it out of park, and it's hard to get the get it out of park because, oh, there's, because there's pressure on the pin. And you can't really move the vehicle because it's an automatic transmission. Uh, so uh, you just have to pull it down and hope for the best. You're sitting there trying to shake the whole vehicle from the seat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So the, as I was saying, the Jeep uh, dodged two trees before coming to a temporary halt, and then it pulls forward, hitting one of the trees at a low-speed head-on collision. The owner and his dog come running just as the as it comes to a stop. It's hard to tell just uh, just what's beyond the trees uh, uh, and the immobilized of the immobilized Jeep. In addition to more trees, there are either small uh, a small ravine or possibly a pond. <laughs> That's it's really good. The trees are there. Either way, uh, this Jeep was fortunate it did not roll into those areas. So, as I already stated, the, uh, the Jeep appears undamaged and uh, custom front steel uh, bumper uh, with built-in winch. Even the off-road lights are intact, even though the Jeep just uh, nonchalantly shrugged off the low-speed impact like no big deal. Uh, the owner starts the Jeep and returns to its original uh, spot in front of the garage and hopefully uh, sets the parking brake this time. And, and all yeah. this stuff was captured on a ring doorbell. How many things have you seen on ring doorbells these days, uh, Larry? I mean, oh, oh yeah, yeah. The ring doorbell is the new uh, funny videos nowadays. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's funny. There's so much video available, and I guess there's so many sources for the funny videos. That's why there's not a show uh, America's Funniest Home Videos anymore. Managed a lot of uh, a lot more stuff out there. Remember those the good old days where you'd have to record it on a videotape. And then you'd have to uh, take that videotape and mail it to uh, America's Funniest Home Videos so they could uh, show horribly, horribly bad quality VHS video. <laughs> but, but at that time, it wasn't all that bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, compared to the, the professional stuff, it was horrible, though. But uh, yeah. Right. And, and it was still fun. It was still fun to see. Absolutely. Welcome to Fabricating Frenzy with Larry, also known as Jeeping Mo, whose hair is not curly. As far as I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's always a good one. All right. So last week we talked about trail welding. Now, once you need to pull out that trail welder, there are a couple things you'll want to pack in your go bag. So if you have a track bar bracket that is sheared off and needs reattached, 
there's a couple things you're going to need first, right? So first, let's get everything cleaned up. So a good wire brush, get the whole everything cleaned up so you can try to evaluate everything you need to do. And then a good ball peen hammer or a sludge hammer might be needed to bend everything back. Right? You never know really what you're looking at or you know what you got to repair there. So once you assess where your welds need to be, you try should try to get the metal down to bright metal. And that means just get all the paint and all the undercoating or whatever you have there off of whatever metal you're trying to weld. And if it's possible, a battery-powered angle grinder to clean up the area and possibly remove any ripped areas or cut anything off that might be misaligned. Now a good flap wheel or cutoff wheel will do most of what you need. Now also a ratchet strap would be useful to get everything pulled back into position and hold while you get your first welds on. I can't tell you how many times I've used a ratchet strap or stuff like that. And then a good pair of vice grips to hold things in place or to bend things as needed. Now one thing that's overlooked is some scrap metal. I find that some eighth by one by three inch long strips that can be used as a backer for your weld or a stiffener, you never know what might not be there anymore. Now to look at some of the obvious items you'll need. You'll need a welding hood. And I, I take a hood that's a more of a face shield than a full hood. And it is auto darkening. You might need to get into some tight areas. And some of those areas you get up in, a full helmet, you know, a hood may not work for you. So that face shield type helmet works nice. And a pair of heavy gloves. You're most likely going to be MIG or stick welding in tight areas. And to go along with that wire brush, a chipping hammer, you'll need to get remove some of that slag as if you're stick welding or flux core MIG welding, you're going to have slag you want to get cleaned off because you don't want to weld over the top of slag. Now, I like a, a lightweight welding jacket and a welding blanket, and these are optional, but it's a good chance that you're going to be welding overhead. And that jacket will help keep some of the sparks and everything falling on you. And the blanket might help if you have to weld close to something else. You know, it's uh, some of we know call some plastic Jeeps. Well, you might have to be welding next to something plastic and you don't want to melt it. So once you have your gear and you're ready to go and ready to weld something, and if you use batteries, don't forget to recharge them. And if you need to test before the trail is broke down, once you have your gear and you're ready, go outside and weld something. Now, if you're using batteries, don't forget to recharge them. You always want to test them before you're on a trail and broke down. It's always a good time to find out something's not working before you get out there. And at the end of it, just go out and build something. So let me ask you on that uh, face shield, the auto-darkening face shield. Um, it, 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 just, it just dawned on me that the reason why you have a, a shield is that you don't want to burn uh, your the retinas of your eye. I mean, it, it certainly 
excuse me, it certainly uh, makes you feel bad, makes your eyes feel bad, like sandy or scratchy. But right. uh, it, and, it, and you can lose your vision uh, uh, doing it repeatedly. So it makes sense why you'd want to protect your eyes. But why do you use a shield? And especially why do you use a helmet, something that covers the side of your face and everything? Is that just because of the uh, the splatter, the sparks, the, the, the you're just really protecting yourself, your face uh, from being burned? Right. So you got two things there. One, you have the sparks and all, all the splatter that's coming off. And you also have all the UV. Oh, right? and, yeah. And typically, you're going to be up close. At least for me, when I'm when I'm welding, you're up close and personal with that weld. And without something covering the rest of your face, you'd have a sunburn from hell on your face. Right? So that shield helps protect all that. Also... You know, the face shield and or hood also redirects some of those fumes that's coming off. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it kind of serves a, a dual purpose there. So can the, yet, can the fumes be harmful? I mean, I know you're not supposed to spray something down with uh, like brake cleaner and then weld uh, try to weld it or something. And I, I, because I think the the product of that is phosgene or something. Right. Well, and that's uh. So that's that's when you're using a chlorinated cleaners. If you buy a non-chlorinated, you're okay, but you really got to be careful with that, especially if someone else is. If you're following somebody else, make sure you know what they're doing. But yeah, the you know, the fumes themselves can be can be toxic. You get, I look at it this way: anything other than air is not good to breathe, and uh, when I weld, I typically when I'm in the shop, I wear a respirator. And you'd be surprised how often I change those filters because they're just plugged up with just the goo and everything from the from the fumes. And yeah. I and I yeah I don't wear I don't have one of those with, carrying with me when I'm on the trail because I'm anticipating just a, a light weld if anything. But, sure. But yeah, it's uh all those fumes and everything. It's a, it's a lot to inhale. So would you say that uh, if, you, uh, if you don't know when you should or should not use a respirator, if uh, you're picking your nose and there's a lot of black stuff coming out of there, it was uh, that you definitely should be using a respirator? <laughs> no, definitely. Right. And, 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 you know, it also depends on what you're welding. So if you're trail welding, you're not going to get into some of the more exotic materials. Mm-hmm. But, if you get it, but if you're welding in a shop, let's say, and you start welding into uh, – stainless and stuff like that you know you get hexavalent chromium the gas it gives off when you're welding stainless that's definitely toxic long term you really can't see it but for the trail for the most part you're welding i'm going to call it sheet metal and just you know just steel together you don't really have the exotic stuff that you that you would have in the shop Mm -hmm. So the face shield that's auto darkening is that electronic? Is there a battery that that does that, or is that a a chemical reaction in the shield? No, it's battery, right? Okay. So you always and you definitely want to check the batteries too, because the the time to find out that the thing's not not switching <laughs> is not. That when was you're my next question. How, what yep. is what is auto off? You know, is it is is it auto you know opaque or auto uh, clear? <laughs> Well, wow, I, I can fi- see that really good. Oh, I bet you yeah. I need to replace the battery. <laughs> I have found out the hard way that your batteries are dead, right? So if you have one of those, an extra, an extra set of batteries is always something good just to carry in your rig. Because it's, it's, if it's something you use for a, for a trail weld, 
usually that's stuff you don't use all the time, so it's kind of out of sight, oh, yeah. out of mind. Sure. I know right? telling so, when the battery went dead. Exactly. Yeah. So, so is there any kind of is there any kind of test button on it so that you can press a test button and then see if it uh, if it uh, uh, you know darkens down uh, when you press the button? Yeah, some some of them have a test button. But typically, what I'll do before we go out on a trail, I'll just fire up the the MIG welder in the garage and lay down a couple of beads just to make sure, and then then just pack it away. How long can you go uh, before you start getting uh, enough eye damage to cause you discomfort? And I don't mean temporary blindness. I mean like the sandy feeling that you get. It isn't long. Yeah, I was afraid of that. Yeah, and it it, it literally feels like someone threw sand in your eyes. It uh, it's not pleasant, mm-hmm. and it really is nothing that you can do to get get past it other than just time. Uh, Jack Daniels. Well, I'd imagine that would work. <laughs> Uh, at least let make you care less about it. <laughs> Be like uh, like some of the old timers would do to hit you, hit you with a hammer. How's your eyes feel now? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's great. It took my mind off my eyes. <laughs> From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and I've got no time to call in today. I've got to rush off to the stock market to pick up some chicken broth. Well, that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to ask, do you guys know what's red and bad for your teeth? Yeah, brick. Man, I, I, I can't end on that one. Sore throats are a real pain in the neck. Yes, that is the winner. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat with you later and you have a good one. Bye. I, f- I feel it's going to be two weeks for me to figure out about the the red the, on your teeth and brick thing. I didn't get that one. Yeah, I would think that's just an impact thing. But I, I couldn't. That's get what it. I got. I, you know. Yeah. But the, when, whenever he said the serial killer joke, I figured it had something to do with you running with a box of cereal. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get the chicken broth. That was something that no, I didn't. No, I was it. anticipating something good for the chicken broth. <laughs> but I guess you have to have a cold to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see what I did there. There you go. <laughs> so, Larry, um, just just off the top of my head here, it's interesting. Uh, I, I see these discussions on our Discord server about g- going off road, uh, and I don't mean locally. I mean like a trip, uh, going places. And I don't know if you're aware of this most recent one that the guys are talking about. I just heard some of it briefly uh, on uh, the Zoom meeting because we run the Zoom meeting on uh, uh, on uh, flagship episode recording nights, just simply because we used to in the past as part of the show and, and people wanted to have it running. So uh, they get on, they have a chat while we, uh, while we record the show. And um, apparently Andrew uh, and uh, I think uh, John Lee are going uh, up to uh, Colorado here in the next week or so. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. So that's Andrew's going there. And then uh, uh, John and Bill are going to uh, Arizona. Oh, okay. So they're not going together. I thought they were going to the same place. So listening to them talk about it, I uh, I thought about this, and I thought uh, it would be it might be helpful for me to uh, share this with folks. Um, in the past, uh, because of not going on uh, off road events, especially ones that are far away, uh, I was uh, I, it scared me. Uh, I, I liked the idea of going, but it scared me about about going to them because. Well, you know the things that ha- that's ha- happened to you, uh, Larry, as you've been traveling across the the, the great state 
uh, the great nation here, multiple states, uh, uh, several things have happened. Of course, you just deal with it, and that's what we all do. We just deal with it, fix it, and go on. Right. Um, that's just the way life is. Uh, but if you don't want to have problems, if you don't look forward to having the problems, then it's just easier to just stay at home. <laughs> because if you if something does break at home, at least you know you're right there. You can take a nap. You can uh, get a bite to eat. You can uh, you get all your tools right there. Of course, you have all your tools with you in your in your Jeep for obvious reasons. Uh, and uh, it, it just dawned on me that I just I didn't want to go for a few reasons. One was it's a long ways away, um, and uh, I have uh, I'm always concerned about getting sleepy. While I'm driving, oh, yeah. and and also too, and, and you and uh, Bill have the same concern as well. And I learned how to take care of it uh, by uh, just filling up uh, when we get down to half a tank. And that's the uh, the the emergency pee breaks that you may have to take. And uh, nobody likes driving along and not drinking anything simply so you don't have to to take a pee break. Uh, right. But uh, as you get older, those you know going to the bathroom more frequently is is just a, a normal thing. So I was fearful of uh, being sleepy. I was fearful of uh, having to take too many pee breaks, and uh, I was fearful of uh, breaking my uh, my Jeep. Uh, I, I've never been concerned about hurting myself. Uh, hell, I was getting the, the trash the other day and I hurt myself. I wasn't even concerned about that because that's that's never happened before. So things are gonna gonna be able to happen. Uh, I mean, all think you never you never know when something's going to happen, but it shouldn't keep you from enjoying your life. And I just got to say that going to Easter Jeep Safari and it made it a lot easier uh, going up there with uh, with you and Bill, uh, you part of the way, and then Bill almost the entire way. Uh, it just made me feel more comfortable because uh, I was with some folks that if uh, if if nothing else, I had somebody that would be able to be there with me while I was trying to get a tow truck or whatever would happen. And uh, I went out there uh, on the uh, on, on a metal masher, uh, and uh, it was it was just so much fun. I mean, going off road is is just a blast. I know that. It's just the the damage, the things that you see. People break axles. Uh, people uh, uh, do this uh, do serious damage to their vehicles, and uh, then they have to figure out how to get home. Uh, and uh, 19, 20 hours away is a long ways, and it would be very expensive from a, a towing standpoint. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and then what prices are you going to have to spend uh, to get something fixed locally? Because, you know, they know they got you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there's a lot of concerns. And I, and I just thought it'd be, it would be nice uh, for me to uh, let people know it's, it's normal. Uh, I think it's normal. And uh, you shouldn't uh, feel like it's not natural to be concerned about what's going to happen. And even though everything worked out very well, I had a blast, and it was so much fun being up there with uh, all the the Jeep Talk Show uh, team and uh, listeners. Uh, it, it was. Uh, I'm just glad I did it, and uh, the drive was not that bad. Uh, I didn't get sleepy, and I uh, I didn't have any uh, urgent uh, urination issues. Yeah, and you know, and that's and that's the the biggest part about that, especially when you're traveling a group. You know, the the chatter back and forth on the radio and you know, that all makes the time go by fast, and at least for me, I always enjoy the wheeling time, but I almost enjoy the camaraderie more so, because, you know, for me, that's the biggest part of it, and then when you have issues on the road, that's all kind of part of the experience. You just roll with it, 
and then you get good stories to tell later. Yeah, it's a shared experience. It's like uh, right. it's like that Eddie Murphy uh, routine that he was talking about. He goes, uh, how guys are really funny about uh, passing gas. With it. You remember that fart you made? I mean, it could be a story uh, during a future uh, encounter with uh, one of your friends. The same thing with the off-roading. You remember you backing into that tree and uh, having to get some Oracle lights and type stuff. <laughs> Especially the older you get. Yeah. so uh yeah it's just a lot of fun and uh uh, i mean i did have uh, i think two people reach out to me wanting to know what i had done to my gladiator to be able to to to, uh, make it uh through uh the the various places i went to moab and i mean i I was happy to tell them uh and i but i know why they were asking is because they're concerned uh and i don't mean to to poke at anybody but let's just say it the way it is you're scared you're scared that you'll right. get stuck. You're, you're scared that you're going to damage something. You're scared that it's going to break down. Uh, and that's absolutely uh, where I was. It hasn't changed. I am still scared, but it's gotten a lot better because I've been successful at, at, at trying it and doing it. Well, you know, we've all said here multiple times that even a stock rig is more capable than than a driver usually is. Right? Absolutely. Usually the, it, it's a driver's fear of damaging the rig that stops you the rig will do pretty much about everything on most of the trails you're doing mm-hmm. and if you got it the, the right kind of protection like sliders uh you're probably not going to do any damage that is anything that will keep you from being able to drive it uh, even if it's a daily driver uh that's, right. that's why you put this protection on there uh, i would say actually on a stock rig that's probably the the, the main thing uh, as long as it comes with toe points the main thing you want to add is rocker protection and, um, and proper rocker protection, something that will support the weight of the vehicle. Right. No, that's a good ad right there. That's one, probably one of the first ones I would always suggest, be, you know, before you start doing everything else, good sliders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really important. And uh, you don't, the, because that's that's actually stuff that can make it difficult to open the door if, you, if you've done it really well. <laughs> <laughs> it gets expensive fast. Yeah, I think, I think you would have to really make a mistake to be able to get in a situation where you wouldn't be able to open and close the door but with a slider on there and uh, a, a nice strong slider well attached to the vehicle it's it's extremely unlikely uh for you to damage uh the door where it can't open and close right and sometimes you need as you get more experience you start using those sliders as pivot points yeah you know, it's you're not you're not you're not so worried about hitting them. You're actually purposely using those to They're slide a tool. on. Just another tool. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And if you've got a trail welder, <laughs> and you really do it well, you could always uh, take care of that. Of course, that was a fun thing. I didn't know that about the uh, the front dig that you can do when you have a transfer case that you can uh, uh, select which axle you want engaged, uh, front or rear. And uh, doing the front dig around a, a tree using the rock slider as your pivot point uh, is a uh, supposed to be a cool thing. Uh, I think that would be a fun thing to try. That might be fun to do even when you don't have to do it. <laughs> That's one thing nice about having selectable lockers. You get to pick which one is locked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's more difficult in the decision process. Uh, but as you as you go off road and you make uh, you, and you use it, it goes just like oh wow, this is great! I love it's the the Scotty on the Enterprise type thing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> doing it manual or bypass. You know, it's it's the Scotty factor. <laughs> the lithium crystals. That's right. 
All right, in this uh, must-have stuff pick of the week for your Jeep, the <laughs> we teased this at the top of the show. Uh, this is the X-Brite wall mount removable door uh, hangers with two types of hardware. Heavy-duty metal door storage holder bracket compatible with the 1956 through 2021 Jeep Wrangler CJ, YJ, TJ, LJ, JK, JKU, JL, JLU. And damn it, where's the JT in here? Because, I mean, those are the same damn doors on the JL, isn't it? Uh, but uh, anyway, these uh, these brackets are $53.99 off of Amazon. You can go to episode 859 of uh, JeepTalkShow.com and uh, <clears throat> get the link uh, there straight to the, uh, uh, the, the, the where you can buy them off of uh, Amazon. And uh, but uh, so these uh, expert door hangers are compatible with Jeeps uh, uh, used as uh, safe year-round storage, compatible not only with your factory Jeep doors but for aftermarket aftermarket tube doors as well. Oh, that's nice because if you've bought some tube doors, instead of just having them lean over in the corner someplace, if you got the regular doors on, you can now have the tube doors hanging up over there. That's a great idea. I didn't think about that. Oh yeah. And I'm sure people would figure it out uh, once they were uh, once they had them up on the wall. And they're uh, solid, built to hold 60 pound doors, uh, stainless wow. steel st- uh, structure, black powder coat finish, rubber bumper to protect paint, uh, CNC cut, durable construction. Blah 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 blah. Uh, now let's get to the the important part. Uh, it comes with two types of bolts: uh, bolts for plasterboard and drywall. Leg lag <laughs> head bolts for mounting on 16 inch center studs. There we go. That's yeah. what I wanted to see. Uh, the stud. Yeah, because uh, and and finding the studs is is often very difficult. And and I don't know that it's that 16 is always the the 16 inch centers. Uh, what what's the 16 inch center, Larry? Uh, tell tell the folks what a 16 inch center uh for the center studs are. But, but typically in a wall, they're they're just sixteen inches apart. Right. So the the center of one stud to the next closest uh, stud, right. the two by four, is right. uh, center to center is supposed to be sixteen inches. But I I have seen them do uh, twenty four. I don't think thirty six, but I think somewhere in the thirties. You know when they're really cheaping out. Uh, so uh, you you also then I don't know that this one comes with a, a stud finder. Uh, but uh, you know if you don't have a stud finder. Uh, and of course, the joke is I can't. You never can't use a stub finder because uh, it it always finds me. Uh, and, but the, you can put the eighteen percent. Where, where's Nick's? Yeah, where's Nikki G? <laughs> it's it's the same joke. It's like when you're you're uh, strapping down a load with those ratchet straps and you get it all nice and tight and you you tweak it like a banjo string and you go, hey, I ain't going nowhere. You got to say it. You got to do it. You got to say it. <laughs> you can always take it. Try to find yourself the smallest nail you can find. And you can always poke that in the wall. That's to true. Try to, find, yeah. try to find both ends of the stud. Yeah, uh, or an ice pick. Uh, you you can use an ice pick to do the same thing. But a nail yep. is probably what you're going to have. So, uh, and and the only only the only other thing I would say that's kind of scary about this is it, just because you found the two by four doesn't mean you're drilling into the center <laughs> of the two by four. That's why you got to find both sides of it. <laughs> Well, I mean, the stud finder, uh, I think most stud finders are just a, a magnet a magnet thing. So they're actually finding the, uh, the, the, uh, the nail head or the screw head. Is that, is that your understanding? So it really well, depends on where the, where the screw or the nail went in through the, the uh, not plasterboard, the, uh, the drywall. Well, I think it's looking for density, right? So as, you scan, as you scan on both sides of the uh, stud, 
I think it's actually getting a density off the stud. That's why he, that's why it'll give you both sides. Okay. Well, I, I, I'd have to look into that, but I, I never thought that it was anything other than just a, a, a magnet, basically a, like a compass, and it's just pointing at the, uh, at the nail head. But uh, that would be nice if that's true. Maybe it's just the ones I've used aren't that fancy. Uh, but yeah, but that would be my concern is making sure that you, you're getting into the, uh, the, the, the 2x4 itself. You're not going to cause a problem with the 2x4, but you don't want that bracket uh, pulling out of there. Um, I don't know. I think I might actually test those things. Uh, if you have a, a weight set or maybe you have a, a, a curling, uh, one of those little curling dumbbell things, uh, hang a couple of them on there and just let it hang for a while and see if it stays. Well, that is hopefully you don't have a finished garage and you, oh, there's a stud. Oh, easy. That's easy peasy. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, no stud finder necessary. If you're if you're using a stud finder and the there's no uh, uh, plywood <laughs> or, or particle board or anything covering that, then you just slap the shit out of yourself. <laughs> yep. So, but yeah, that's that's my big concern about this is is it's going to be something that you want to make sure that is definitely uh, installed properly so those doors don't fall down because they uh they aren't cheap and uh mm. any even if you're just lucky enough to just damage the paint that's still that still hurts make you cry there yep so it's always a little sad when we end the trail but there's always another trail ride just down the road Jeep Talk Show has four episodes a week, and sometimes five. Every other week, every other Monday, we have a Chick Chat episode. We've uh, we've had three in total so far, and we've already got more guests scheduled uh, for coming up. So uh, if you like uh, off-roading from a feminine point of view, you're going to love Chick Chat. So our four episodes a week are Tuesday through Friday. Uh, subscribe and never miss this episode. And speaking of subscribing, consider uh, keeping the Jeep Talk Show on the air, so to speak by subscribing to the show via Patreon. Uh, the place to go for all the information on how to subscribe and how to contact us is at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. For uh, five bucks, it gets you started on your subscription, and we really appreciate it. We have a goal of 100 subscribers. You know, many people fear bad weather, floods, blizzards, earthquakes, Jeep people smile and say, hmm, Jeep weather, while heading to their Jeep for some outside off-road fun. Broadcasting since 2010. Do you like Jeep weather, Larry? Do you do you look at disasters and go, ooh, Jeep weather? Oh, no, not really. I think it's just so cool. I was just looking out there, especially when it's just flooding outside. It's like, oh, Jeep weather. 